The year was 1991. It was the night before school started. I laid in my bed, awake, wondering. Not wondering in a sense that I was worried about going to school or nervous about riding the bus. In fact, I was excited to start the day. Mom and Dad had bought me a brand new Ultimate Warrior backpack and white LA gear shoes that lit up every time I took a step. My best friend Gilbert was in my class. I was no longer a kindergartner, but in the higher echelon of grades that didn't go home after a mere half day. In fact, I felt like I did later in life during senior year, kind of like a badass. But still, I laid awake and wondered, worried about something I hadn't expected to think about so deeply that I had never considered. Simply put, that night I laid there thinking about time travel. Yes, that's correct, time travel. Earlier in the night, I'd watched the movie Back to the Future and was mesmerized by what I had seen. A DeLorean that could take a kid to the past and Christopher Lloyd as the time machine's creator. Still to this day, I remember that night like it happened yesterday. As I usually did when I was wide awake, well past midnight, I climbed out of my bed and began reenacting the movie I had just watched with my action figures. As I banged and clanged around my room, I heard the squeaks of footsteps walking across the house and down the stairs to the basement. I quickly quickly hopped back into bed, pretending to close my eyes as I saw my father's slippered feet come into view. What are you doing awake? I have ears. I can hear you talking to yourself down here, he said. Dad, I can't sleep, I said earnestly. Are you nervous about school? He said, concerned. He knelt down to talk to me on my level, hoping he can drag the issue out of me. Now, a smarter kid would have just said yes and cut his losses. But I was not this smarter kid I'm referring to. Nope. Dad, I can't stop thinking about time travel. Is that a real thing? I asked. (sighs) My dad shook his head and sighed and rose back to his six-foot stature. Yeah, it is. Let me tell you about it. Close your damn eyes and go to sleep, and when you wake up, it'll be six hours in the future, he said, scurrying back up the steps. Welcome to another episode of Tall, Dark, and Random. I'm your host, Nicholas Grooms. The co-host of this show is my friend, Addison Morgan. We hope you're having a wonderful back-to-school experience like this with your own child. And now, on with the program. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Tall, Dark, and Random, the podcast that sprays the garden hose at the blazing inferno that is your life and tries to make it just a little bit better as you leave the program with a smile on your face and hopefully a little bit of laughter in your heart. My name is Nicholas Grooms, Mr. Random himself, and I am your host, and a little bit later we'll be joined by my co-host, the only co-host in the world that will glare you to death for screaming, fuck the police, Addison Morgan will be joining us from Colorado Springs, as usual, via telephone. Uh, we got a great show lined up for you. It is a show for all of you parents who have been waiting all summer long with your kids being annoying and griping at you all day long saying we have nothing to do. It is back to school time and that is the subject on the show today. We're going to be talking about a lot of old school stories from my past and Addison's past as well and uh, kind of just having a good time with it today. Uh, getting in the back to school spirit. Um first week in a long time I, I i always look forward to school the school year because uh, i get to spend a lot more time with my niece uh after school we get to do some things and uh go for ice cream and kind of go around and i i've been teaching her how to 
uh, find things on the cheap at the Goodwill, and uh, we just have a great time after school. So uh, I, I, for one, am very excited for school to be back in session. But we're also going to be talking about some serious stuff on the show today as well. Um, uh, with back to school, there comes a lot of jitters and a lot of fears for a lot of children out there. And uh, I would know more than anyone because I was definitely one of those kids. Uh, I would say in a five-year span, I went to four different schools. Uh, 1992, I moved from Garden City, Kansas, uh, all the way out to Casey, Illinois, which is a really small town that uh, isn't even on most maps. But I uh, moved out there, and it was already kind of an odd deal. You know, I, I moved to this town. I'm, I'm one of the only Hispanic kids in the school. It was a big adjustment, but a great adjustment. I uh, still have a lot of the friends that I had in, in Casey, Illinois. Um, for, the, for the longest time, we had each other on social media, and I, I hit them up every once in a while. And uh, I think in 1995, it was uh, the company my dad worked for burned down under mysterious circumstances. Uh, what it sounded like to me was they had a shit boss and someone I would have wrote, written about in my book. If my dad wrote a book, he definitely would have written about that guy. But uh, we ended up moving to a small town called Centralia. And when I moved there, I started at a fifth grade center. So I was only in the fifth grade center for one year and then went to junior high with a bunch of other kids that I had never met. So it was like going to a new school all over again. And uh, in the middle of the second month of uh, being in that school, I was uprooted once more and moved back to Garden City, Kansas again. And uh, in, that, in that week of moving back, I had my very first two panic attacks. The first was in the restroom of my grandmother's house where we were staying at the time. And uh, the second was an hour later in uh, the office, the administrator's office as I was getting my schedule. I just completely lost my cool. And uh, we'll, we'll be talking to a good friend of mine on the program today about anxiety and being young and uh, how that really affects you and shapes your adult life. And how, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be giving you guys some pointers on signs you can recognize in your own children as far as anxiety and negative demons and things like that. Uh, especially with the new school year. School is hard, man. School is rough. Kids are the worst people on this planet and the best people on this planet. And it all depends on who the parents are and what the values instilled are and what is being taught. And uh, basically, I want you to teach your kids to not be a dick because if I ever hear that someone's being a dick to any of the kids that I love, I I'm one of those like... Uh, I, I know I could never work at a school or be anybody who works with, you know, brat children because all I can think about is a Shawn Michaels super kick to the brow anytime I hear of one of these kids that is just an overprivileged little brat piece of shit. And uh, I don't handle that. I don't take that. You know, I, I know I'd be one of those that like I throw I, I'd steal a lunchbox and throw it in the dumpster or, you know, just something mean, something to get back, something to dig. And then I would get caught and I'd be in the newspaper. So let's just avoid that altogether. And I'll just tell you right now, I'm way better suited to be hosting a show where I talk about kicking dick kids instead of putting myself in a circumstance where I actually go and kick a dick kid. But that's going to be the premise of the show today. Um, sorry, I kind of went off on a tear there. I, I get a little emotional still. I get a little angry. You know, I've, I've known a lot of uh, bad children in my in my day. And uh, a lot of kids that uh, I, I just want to knock on their door and just, you know, pull a Jane Silent Bob, read off a list. Did you say in 1995 and just whoop some ass? 
But I mean, it doesn't solve anything. So we're going to just hope that uh, you guys as parents are listening to the program today and getting a little substance from it. My good buddy, Misha Hernandez, is going to be stopping by today. And uh, wow, she's an open book and just a real positive being. And, uh, you know, just someone I, I really look up to as far as like being able to tell my own story and put myself out there and, you know, just be 100% real with you guys. And uh, that's going to be the premise of the show today. But before we get to all that, it is the moment you all wait for, I think, every single week. And that is this moment right now. For better or for worse, Nicholas Grooms is going to give his thoughts of the week. And I'm going to uh, preface it with this. Uh, I had a pretty good week other than a couple of days in there. A couple of days ago, my air conditioning went out. And I had one of those weird days where everything is against you. And uh, I recorded a little rant that day as I was uh, feeling down and and upset. And uh, I'm going to play that for you real quick. And then we're going to come back here and chat about it. I was not in a good headspace. I was very upset. And sometimes I get irrationally angry. You got to keep in mind, you know, I've always got the anxiety demons on my shoulders. And uh, I've always been easily frustrated. You know, my mother always used to tell me, like, you are so hard on yourself, it's ridiculous. So if something doesn't go right and, you know, the dominoes fall and things just keep going wrong all day long, I get very, very hopeless. I was, uh, you know, at my boiling point when I made this little clip here. I even considered not airing it because after I listened to it, sometimes, okay, hear me out here. Sometimes when I record these little rants and then I listen back to them, I'm immediately over it because I'm like, you are so irrationally angry. You know, you're so just fired up over this. Why? You know, and then I just feel like this weight is just off my shoulders. But I think it's important for you guys to do that and listen to this because it is kind of funny first off. And secondly, you know, I think it'll help you. Like if you start doing this, start writing things down and reading it out loud or just get a recorder, put it in your face, record a little video of yourself being mad and then watch it back. And you'll be like, man, I am ridiculous. Well, we're going to listen to that clip right now. And then we're going to be back here in just a second to analyze that little short clip I made. Please enjoy it. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. clip contains explicit language and content from a completely irrational human being. This clip contains hate speech directed at air conditioners, laptop computers, waiters, hippies, hackers, and even the planet Earth itself. Sensitive listeners and young children should not listen to this part of the show and should either skip ahead or shut off the program now. We here at Tall, Dark, and Random are not responsible for your hurt feelings from this point forward. Also, Boys in the Hood was a sweet movie and had far more cursing and drive-by shootings than this clip could ever hope to. You have been advised and forewarned. Please continue at your own risk. All right, let me just fucking tell you how my day's going so far. First thing this morning, I wake up, and it's like a fucking zillion degrees in my room. And I can fucking hear my dog just... So I know it's hot, because the dog is just panting. It's fucking stank breath in my face. And I fucking just slowly, like, as I come to, I realize that my air conditioner isn't working. So I go around the house... To make sure, like, it's at least running. And I can hear it running, so that's good. But then I look inside the goddamn thing. And what's inside? There's, like, a miniature Alaskan village. And I'm sure there's Inuits around it shooing penguins and all this other shit. But the damn thing is completely frozen. I could fucking make a snow cone out there if I want. And I know, you know, it's probably my fault. Because I love to keep that thing kicked so fucking low at night. And it just got so cold. 
So I'm mad at myself. I'm fucking angry right now for doing that, for leaving that fucking low. I'm hoping that it just thaws out and everything's going to be fine. But God damn it, I didn't know the fucking temperature was going to plunge like the fucking Dow. Ah, so I come back in, okay, and I'm hoping to make the best of this bad situation and just fucking get over it and move forward and try to go about my day being productive. So I start doing housework and I start doing laundry and I try to be motivated. And what happens, man? The first fucking thing I do is trip over a goddamn plastics bin in our fucking recycling area and just bust my fucking ass. So at this point, I'm just angry. You know, I'm fucking on the floor in pain after having to endure this heat and just fucking be myself and and live with this fucking attitude that I get when things go wrong. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm on the floor and I just want to scream, fuck the planet at the top of my lungs because I'm fucking just angry at this recycling bin for being where I put it. <laughs> so I don't know, man. I, I just wanted to scream, fuck the planet at the top of my lungs. And I consider hauling all of our recyclables out to the fucking curb so it could go fucking sit in a landfill for all eternity and fucking kill whales and not deteriorate and cause oil spills in the Gulf and all that fucking wonderful Exxon shit, that planet polluting shit that I'm imagining because I'm irrationally angry and looking for some fucking place to put it all. Okay, so where was I? Uh, my house is hot as hell. Uh, my ass is busted. Um, so, okay, let me do some dishes now. Put some dishes in the dishwasher and got the laundry going finally. And all of a sudden, the dishwasher starts fucking vomiting and purging foam. Like it's that fucking idiot kid who doesn't know how to fill up your fucking beer at Applebee's with the tap. You just sit there and you watch it and you're like, God, it's two quarters, two, like two thirds of the way full and the rest is fucking foam. Do not bring that to me and try to charge me for that. That is my first thought as I see my freaking dishwasher spewing liquid everywhere. So now I got to dirty a stack of clean towels that I now have to wash after my laundry's done just to clean up a mess that I freaking made by trying to do some housework and be productive. God! And then I didn't get all the water cleaned up, but don't worry, because I found it with my socks. (sighs) Fuck this, man, you know. Uh, Right after that, I decide to go back and try to clean the little bathroom we have in our laundry room. We have this giant white wash, like, washed tub sink. It's kind of like this big thing that you can, like, wash giant items in and shit. It's pretty handy most days, except for the fact that it's fucking white. And it stains no matter what you do to it. Like, you could say the word chili or coffee or Kool-Aid or anything to that sink and there's a stain. So, of course, I'm using bleach to clean this sink. I'm using bleach and scrubbing my little heart out, hoping, uh, you know, the day's going to turn around and that I'm making a difference. And at least if my house is going to be hot as fuck, it's at least going to be clean as fuck. And what fucking happens? Like, I back into this fucking basket behind me and my clean fucking laundry spills right on top of it. And is laying in the bleach, just my t-shirts. And I want to throw something. I'm so mad, but I know if I throw something, it's going to break something else. And I'm just going to be angry. So I got to settle for this, like, Tourette's amount of fucking curse words that I start erupting out of my mouth like it's a goddamn volcano. (sighs) It didn't fix anything, let me tell you that. So now I'm just sitting here surveying this damage to my freaking laundry knowing that I'm going to be walking around like some patchwork, wavy, gravy-ass hippie for the next fucking few months while I freaking... (sighs) I don't even know. I'm sorry. Fucking just... Jesus Christ. It's been a day. And then on top of it now, like, I get all this done, and I'm on the computer, and this is what 
provoked me into making this because I have time because now there's an install on my computer that just happened on its own. It just wants to do it itself and it's taking forever. And you know what doesn't fix it? Hitting the space bar over and over doesn't fix it. It's just frozen in place here. And I don't know, man, I, like my mountain or my molehills just turned into a fucking mountain this morning. Like one little thing has just spiraled me out of control and spun me out. And I don't know. I just don't get this, man. It's like every... And on top of it, here's the other thing. Like, the thing I'm the most mad about is someone hacked our Hulu password. Someone hacked our Hulu password and did nothing on it. But all I can think about is that I'm going to go to my bank account and it's going to be drained. I don't know. I'm having a fucking day. And I, I, I just had to vent. I hope yours is a lot better than mine. Hey everybody, welcome back to the program. I would just like to apologize to you guys for the language in that clip. I am a big dumb animal, folks. And uh, every now and then, I just have one of those days where I want to fly off the handle. I know we all have them. And uh, mine just came across a little bit angrier. In such a PC culture, I just want everyone to know, I meant nothing negative towards uh, Inuits or Alaska or snow cones or any of that. Love all those things. (laughs) But uh, I, I just want you guys to know that is a form of uh, anxiety. It's a symptom of anxiety. It's called chandeliering. And uh, chandeliering is defined, I'm going to read this off this website, chandeliering is when a seemingly calm person suddenly flies off the handle for no reason. They push hurt and anxiety so deep for so long that seemingly innocent comment or event suddenly sends them straight through the chandelier. And uh, I've been very, very anxious all week long. You know, I've had uh, a lot of, like, worry about what I'm going to do with the future. You know, uh, in, in my field, it's very uncertain. You know, you, you have a writing job one day, you're freelancing, you do a book, you're, it's selling well, and then all of a sudden, you know, it teeters off a little bit. You've got to start, like, looking ahead down the road and figuring out what you're going to do next. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I, I'm at a crossroads in deciding, and then in the middle of this, like, anxious couple of days... I uh, had this air conditioner thing happen and had about 25 other things going on at the house as well. And uh, just things in life just pop up. And when, you know, it seems like when, like I said, when the dominoes fall, one falls, the rest fall. And uh, that's what was going on that day. And and it was nice to just record that and listen back to it. Because I said, like I said, you can even tell towards the end of that recording, I'm starting to feel a little better. I'm getting a little less stressed as I get more and more out. And uh, that's very common. It's a very, very common part of anxiety is just the little self-freak out. And uh, I'm very, very lucky that I'm not one of those that takes it out on other people uh, in the way that, you know, I'm verbally abusive or physically abusive or anything like that. I'm very fortunate that I had a mother and father who, you know, taught me that that wasn't the right way to deal with things. And, uh, you know, most of the abuse is always to myself or just, you know, rants in the air. Um, but I, I wanted to play that on the show because I want you guys to understand and uh, and kind of experience what I experience sometimes. And like I said, for better or for worse, every week, I'm, if it's a bad clip or a fun clip or a sad clip, uh, we're going to have a clip. I want to just kind of give you myself in, my, in, in the moment and what I'm going through and let you know that what you're going through is okay. But I want to kind of transition this into talking about child anxiety And uh, a lot of you guys had youngsters going back to school this week, and I I know there was probably a lot of nervous bellies and just, you know, 
a lot of anticipation and, and some some worry, you know? It's like there's a, always those kids who go back to school and are nervous about it. But then there's also the people like me who, you know, walked around feeling like there was a giant lead ball in their stomach and, you know, who bit off the insides of their cheeks and, you know, the, the skin on their lips and different things like that. And there's a lot of ways you can tell if your child is suffering from anxiety. Um, some of the biggest tells are simple ones, you know, anger, difficulty sleeping, defiance, lack of focus, chandeliering, like I mentioned before, is a big one. If you have a kid who, you know, is just set off out of nowhere, it, it's usually because they're carrying a bigger burden than you think. It's not like always just being a brat or, you know, he's tired or whatever. And I, I think those were very common. Like, I think that was always the case, like, you know my parents and, and, you know, adults around me always thought, oh, he's tired, you know, yeah, I was tired too, because I uh, don't sleep, I didn't sleep at night, I didn't sleep for shit, Uh, as you could hear at the beginning of the show, the little uh, story that's the lead-in for this, I had a lot of trouble sleeping, and I still do, right now it's 2.15 in the morning, and uh, I'm sitting here because I had committed in my head to finishing the show, and I've got to be up at 7.30 in the morning to mow the lawn, and then I've got a few things to do work-wise, And, you know, it's starting to weigh on me a little bit. I'm getting a little bit more anxious. And, uh, you know, that goes hand in hand with the next one here that we have. And that's over planning. Um, Let me me read this one for you. Over planning and defiance go hand in hand in their root cause. Where anxiety can cause some children to try and take back control through defiant behavior, it can cause others to over plan for situations where planning is minimal or unnecessary. And that's exactly what I'm telling you right now. Like, I don't have to finish this show today. I've never set an official day for the show. Just my head today, I woke up and thought, I need to finish the show. And so it's an unnecessary log on my fire right now, but it's something I feel like I have to complete before I go to bed. And uh, it's a very, very, very common thing. And uh, a lot of kids experience it. I know for me, like, if someone... I'm trying to think of a way to explain it from, like, my kid vantage point. Uh, Like, if someone at school the day before uh, had told me, like, uh, bring your wrestling magazines tomorrow, and I forgot them. Like, if I left them at home and I was, like, almost to school, and I was like, oh, no, I forgot to bring my wrestling magazines to show this kid, it was, like, the end of the world in my head. I was like, this kid's going to hate me. You know, we're not, you know... (laughs) we're not friends anymore. It's just like you really focus on things that aren't problems when you're, you're dealing with anxiety. You know, your, your over planning is ridiculous. You just tend to let things stack up on top of each other. And there's really no reason to, you know, you could sit down and easily like disperse it and find another way to do it, put it off for the next day. But that, that's always a thing for me too. You know, like, uh, I, I ship out a lot of stuff and I know like some people will email me and be like, Hey, where's my book at? You know, when did you send my book out? And if I'd sent it out already or hadn't sent it out, you know, I, I'm like, Oh no, I'm shit. I'm a piece of shit. I just get so wrapped up in, in the anxiety behind it. I'm just like, this person's never going to order from me again. And it could be just something simple like, oh, it, you know, it took me two days to go to the post office because I have other things to do, you know? But that's a, that's a big, big tell. And uh, the biggest one I want to bring up right now is negativity. I know for me, like, uh, especially like uh, when I was younger and I, I think I moved to Centralia and I was kind of dealing with a new school and it wasn't going as well as like the first time I moved, you know, I wasn't making friends as quickly 
but uh, I started being very negative all the time, you know. I think that's where I started getting this, like, snarky candor, and, you know, I started getting quippy and, and trying to be funny, and, uh, you know, it was a mask. It was a mask because I felt like nobody liked me, or, you know, I worried about death a lot because my grandfather had passed away, and then around uh, the, the year after that, uh, about a year, a year and a half later, my uh, my best friend Gilbert passed away. He died of leukemia when we were, you know, he was barely 13, and, uh, you know, it, it was, it's just one of those things that grew, uh, the negativity grew within me. And, uh, fortunately for me, I found a handle on it, but I, I didn't figure out I had this. I didn't figure out I had anxiety until I was probably like 25 or 26. And, you know, even then it was like a big denial thing. And slowly as I learn more about it and I read more books and I experience so much more, I realize it's a big problem and avoiding it is the worst thing you could ever do. Especially if you have a small child, if they understand now how to cope with it, and how to deal with it, and how to work around it. They're going to be better adults in the future. You know, don't let them become 25-year-olds trying to figure it out, ranting about their, their goddamn air conditioner, you know. Uh, give them a track. Let them know it's okay to not always be on that track, but set it for them. Set the course and let them know you're there for them. Don't try to avoid it. Don't think there's a stigma behind it or anybody's going to think less of you as a parent because your child has anxiety, because that's not the case at all. This is not something you can control. This is not something that you did. This is just something that builds up in people, and, and you know, you're born with it. You can't really help it. You're, you know, your surroundings obviously, like, hurt or, you know, can hurt or help it, but, you know, it's nothing you, you have control over as far as, like, oh, my God, you know, I, I genetically passed this, you know, <laughs> so don't ever think that, um, just get them some help. Uh, make sure you keep an eye out for these symptoms. And I hope all your youngsters had, you know, all the kids had some, some great back-to-school experiences because, uh, you know, I had some good ones and some bad ones. And uh, you're going to hear about some good ones and some fun things here in just a minute when Addison comes on the show. And then right after that, we're going to have Misha Hernandez on the show. We're going to be talking about anxiety just a little bit more before we get off the program. And I want to give a big shout-out to Mac Lethal for the song at the end of the program tonight. Uh, it, it sounds a little dark at the beginning, but I think uh, Mac Lethal really has... A fantastic way of telling a story with a song and kind of like uh, painting a good picture of what society is like right now. And that's going to be the song on this program. It's called Burgundy. And uh, it's kind of about his son asking him what it's like to go to school. And uh, he kind of takes it in a way that you're like, ah, Mac, that's kind of dark. But that's life, man. Life can be a dark place. And, uh, you know, if you give your kids enough light, they're going to be fine. And uh, we're going to be right back here in just a minute with Addison Morgan and then my good friend Misha Hernandez on the show. And I want to thank you guys for tuning in once again this week. We're going to be back here every single week for you guys with a brand new show. Hopefully we're going to give you guys a little light as well. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the program. We are now joined by the co-host of this show. He's live right now at the Pepper Jack Grill. Everybody, welcome. Addison Morgan. Hey, where am I at? You're at the Pepper Jack Grill. That's an inside joke. I don't think anybody's going to get that except for a select few. A very, very select few. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, how was your weekend, man? You got got out of town and uh, got to go do some shit that wasn't work? Yeah, no, it was uh, was good. We got to go out and see some different cities and uh, 
kind of see the mountains a little bit uh, deeper, I guess. We went up to Frisco and Breckenridge, so real uh, beautiful country up there. So it was good to get away, for sure. That sounds uh, much better than sitting in the uh, toaster oven here in Arkansas with us in the humidity. And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of jealous, dude. So. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a plane ticket waiting for you anytime you want to come out. <laughs> What'd you order at the Pepper Jack Grill? Well, we are talking back to school right now, and uh, I know uh, just, you know, all, all the stories we've shared in just high school alone, we could probably fill up a show with, but uh, we're just mostly going to try to focus specifically on back to school today. Um, I know we were talking about it a little bit ago. Um, I, I want to hear this story about you trying to get out of going to school. Yeah, so um, throughout my my school career, I definitely had a lot of ideas on how to prevent myself from actually having to go to school, so much so that it got to a point where my mom told me that I wasn't allowed to leave school or go home early sick unless I actually threw up while I was at school. So um, in my eyes, challenge accepted, and I would actually first thing in the morning, I would go to the bathroom and, and try and make myself throw up, which I hated doing. It was an awful feeling, but if I could at least make the attempt worthwhile, I would, and then I would go immediately to the nurse, tell her that I threw up, and make my mom come get me. So it got to uh, pretty extreme measures to try and prevent myself from actually learning and getting an education. <laughs> yeah, that is like a tremendous length. Like, I would just lie and say I threw up. <laughs> I don't think uh, my dad was ever like, prove it, let me see it. <laughs> Where is it? He would just say, uh, I think around the end of like when high, high school came around, I would, just, I would ditch like certain classes or I would just stay home. And I think it got to a point where my dad was like, hey, are you going to school today or not? Yeah, and I, I think I was the same way as, as you were because my mom got to that point too where she said, are you, are you going to go to school or are you going to try? And I'd probably just say, no, I'm not, because I'm, I'm going to be a rock star, and we're going to be uh, very successful with Bad Guy Wrestler, and, and uh, we're going to be a promotion company that's going to tour the world. So that was my mindset in high school. Yeah, how wrong we were. <laughs> right. <laughs> Should have chose a different path. <laughs> you know what? Uh, it, it makes me think that maybe you and Ty should have robbed the Taco John's that night you were accused of doing so because you wore black clothes. So... Yeah, thank goodness that was a good case of misidentification by the people that actually got robbed because uh, Ty and I could have been in jail instead of homecoming. <laughs> oh, man, dude. I, I don't miss uh, back to school at all. Like, going back on the first day was always weird. You had everybody, like, in brand new clothes for, like, two straight days. You know, everybody with their new outfits and the kid who always had to pull his pants down to the floor at the urinal and, like, <laughs> getting to know the kids in your class. <laughs> like, just, is awful. I remember, uh, I would say the worst first day I ever had was maybe the fourth grade. And it was like, I had a lot of kids in that class that weren't in my class the two previous years. So I was just cutting up and trying to impress the ones I, I knew. And we were just doing this thing where, you know, we're kids, so we're just farting on each other. And, like, I, like, went to fart on one of my friends, and he pushed me into a girl's desk, 
and I farted as I hit the desk, and all her stuff hit the floor. And then everybody started. One of them was like, oh, you farted so hard, everything moved off her desk. I clearly, like, ran into it. <laughs> ran into it with the back of my legs. But then it was like a myth all year, like, oh, grooms farted on that desk, and all the stuff fell off. I don't yearn for I don't yearn for that back at all. No. That, that first day and even that first week is so stressful when you're going back to school because one, if you don't have money to buy new clothes and look really nice, then you start going to these like secondhand stores <laughs> where you have a Tommy Hilfiger shirt with a Nike symbol on the sleeve and you're wearing like three years removed like remember the, that brand of jeans called i think it was called zones or something yes yes <laughs> yeah yeah so you wore those or you're wearing like jinkos that nobody even likes anymore and it's just uh it's pretty pathetic but yeah and so i don't know how it is for everybody else but there were a couple times where we would get we would actually get to see our class list of people that were going to be in our class and so you kind of had a general idea of who is going to be in your class and who you could kind of gravitate towards. Um, but, yeah, man, fourth grade was rough, too, for me because I switched schools altogether. And so you're going in blind to a whole new school deep into elementary. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty intimidating. It's like, it's like preparing you for the real world when you end up in an actual job full of people that you don't know. Dude, I wish the real world was like school, though. Like, I wish I could get a list and be like, oh, who's my boss? Damn it! Person, damn it! Like, co-worker, damn it! Like, I remember doing that, too, just going through, and I would, like, underline anyone I liked on the list, and it was always, like, four people deep. It was never, like, you know, ah, oh, he's okay. Yeah. But, oh, man. I, I don't miss it at all. Uh, going back to the Jinkos thing, that is so funny you bring that up, because I just remember that being, like, a big 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 thing in middle school was the jinkos and then like my parents would like you know we're not paying 60 dollars so you can have giant like deflated pants walking around on the back of your heels all day so they'd go to uh, target and buy the utility <laughs> knockoff brand that they carried there and i'm just like oh god these are not the same but then I was kind of glad because, like, uh, later on when everyone got out of Jinkos, like, they were just totally obnoxious looking and uh, stupid. Yeah, they were the worst. Um, they were the most useless pants you could ever wear. You couldn't hardly walk in them because they covered your shoes. And the pockets were so deep and worthless that you, I mean, you could hide, like, a baseball bat. But other than that, you can't put, like, a wallet or, or anything, especially ones like the kangaroos where the pockets were, like, on the bottom of your calf. And so it was just pretty pointless to even have pockets at that point. But, yeah, but it was it was the style, man. It was cool. You, if you weren't wearing Jinkos, then you were pretty much a loser. Dude, the funny thing about Jinkos is that Columbine is the reason people stopped wearing those. Because, like, everyone was, like, you know, all up in arms about, oh, they could hide, like, 15 guns in this. And there's even that, like, scene on, uh, what is it, Bowling for Columbine or whatever, where this kid, like, in the, they play, like, part of, like, uh, one of those school videos where this kid yeah. literally hides, like, 20 guns in his pants. And I was like, how could this kid even walk with, like... Right, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty over the top, but... Yeah, but it's just, like, with anything, man, like... 
all those fads and all the uh, different jean brands that we used to wear, like it, you look back on it, like it really didn't matter. It didn't matter if you had the, the Tommy Hilfiger jeans that had the that had the specific Tommy Hilfiger logo on the utility um, strap or whatever you call it, and or if you wore the the latest, uh, I don't even remember some of the brands of clothes we used to wear. It's been so long, and it really doesn't matter anymore. I I remember uh, Fubu jerseys. I think that was the the one the. <laughs> 05 FUBU jerseys, and then Walmart had them yeah. knockoffs. They're like, oh, 07. <laughs> yeah, close, Walmart, close. <laughs> That's like when you would uh, you would have all these friends of yours that would have legitimate football jerseys from, like, NFL teams, and then you were the kid that went to Alco and got a uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers jersey with only the logo on the sleeves and not even a number on the front <laughs> or back. So... Yeah, I'd have a Bulls jersey. It'd be like Bulls twenty three on the front. And you flip it over. Oh, it's just red. Nothing. <laughs> I had so many of those jerseys, man. That's so funny you brought that up. My dad was like, he was all about those all the time, cleaning off that rag. I remember we got. You go ahead. So just to get back to the school topic, um, I just thought of a story that I actually. Something I did to get myself out of going to school that was pretty drastic as well, um, lining up there with the uh, throwing up at school part. So one morning I didn't want to go to school, and I had tried I had tried my usual uh, tricks of the trade to try and get myself to stay home, but not, nothing was working. My mom wasn't budging on anything. So uh, we were getting ready to walk out the door. I had pretty much given up on everything. And I had noticed that my mom had lit a candle, like one of those candles that have like the three wicks on it. So it's a pretty good sized candle. <laughs> so uh, I decided that I was going to really go for it to try and get myself out of going to school. So my mom said, hey, why don't you blow out that candle and then we'll leave. And so I walk over and purposely blow the candle out as hard as I can. I get wax on my face, I make a huge mess, and so I use that as leverage to say, well, look, now my face is burnt, so now I can't go to school. Man, that was a deep reach. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the good thing, well, I guess not the good thing is it didn't really work. She just made me clean my face off, and she still took me to school. So. <laughs> I used to live, like, two blocks from Abe Hubert at one point. So I thought, you know, uh, I'll just leave the house at my normal time and I'll just wait until I see everybody leave. And my mom was leaving that day. My mom was going somewhere with my Aunt Jelaine. I think they were going, like, out of town. So I thought, I'm going to ditch school. It was the first time I ever ditched school. But I just waited. I just, like, kind of ducked behind the dumpster, waited for my dad to leave. He takes off. And I go inside and, you know, I'm just, like, watching MTV and listening to music loud and, you know, living it up. And I sit back down on the couch, and all of a sudden I just hear keys in the door, and here comes my dad walking in. It was like a couple hours later, it was around lunchtime, and he comes in as this giant, like, foot-long sub in one hand. And he's all, what the hell are you doing here? And I just sit there, and I don't know what to say, so I just say back, what, what the hell are you doing here? And we just sit there and look at each other for a minute, and then it was just this silent agreement between us that we weren't going to tattle that we both ditched that day. 
And uh, my dad's like, you want half of this sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> All right. But, man, we never, like, Mom, you're going to hear that story for the very first time on the show. So <laughs> I, I told my mom some I was telling my mom some stories about my dad not too long ago, and she was like, you just, you knew your father completely differently than I ever did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I got this from somewhere. So when you blew, when you blew, when you blew the candle out, did yeah. it, did it cause any, like, damage, damage? No, not at all. Um, it was very, uh, dramatic. I mean, I, I probably cried and just tried to throw a huge bit and make myself look like I was suffering from severe burns that were going to affect me for the rest of my life. But in reality, it wasn't that bad at all. Um, it made, I think it made more of a mess on the countertop, which made my mom even more upset with me. So, um, so yeah, if, if that's something you guys have ever wanted to try, don't do it. It won't work. Uh, you're still going to have to go to school. So you might as well just deal with it and just go anyways. <laughs> God, man, that, I think that may be the deepest reach I've ever heard on a story for getting out of going to school. Usually I would just pretend to be sick and I'd get a yes or a no, you know, and then it was, eh. or, you know, uh, the whole, like, oh, I didn't do my homework, I didn't, I, it's due today, you know, and sometimes I could get out doing that, but then it was, like, worse because then I was grounded for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, you know, you have to, you have to really work those days that your parents are sick and they don't go to work because you know my mom definitely would not go to work if she was super super sick otherwise she was going to tough it out and she was going to go so any day that I knew that she wasn't going to go to work I had this mystery illness that would come out of nowhere that I'd have to stay home too so (laughs) and uh, she just didn't want to deal with me so she would just call the school and let me stay home so um, (laughs) screw it I just want to sleep yeah, pretty much. But, let, let him go do weird um, things in the basement. Did you ever, uh, aside from that one time, did you ever get caught ditching school? Oh, I got caught by other people's parents, but not by my parents. Like, I think, like, my senior year, they didn't care, you know. They knew I yeah. ditched school a, a couple of times and never really said anything to me about it. But I never got busted, busted. Uh, there was one time that I like, uh, it wasn't ditching school per se, but I remember it was like the first few days of eighth grade, it was a bunch of us all in the same class and everyone was like, made this big plan. And I don't know what the hell, uh, the plan was for why we thought this was a good idea. But, uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know, we lived in garden city and just through the middle of town for whatever reason, there's just this giant ditch that goes all the way through town. And we thought, we're all going to sneak out of our houses tonight and meet at the ditch. And I went, and we just like, I, literally we got there and we were just like, oh, we're all, we did, we came out here. You know? <laughs> it was like, we stayed from like 12 to 1230 and then everyone just went home. And it was the most pointless thing ever. It was just like hanging out in the ditch for a little bit. So I go home and I'm, you know, I'm a fat kid, so I can't get through a window the way other people get through a window. So I'm squirming through this window and like literally like my feet touch my bed and I hop onto the floor and then the light on the stairs clicks on and my mom comes down and is like, what are you doing up? And I'm just like, I thought she had seen me come through the window because I mean, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like trying to shove like a uh, trying to shove like the star peg through a circle peg on one of those like little kids thing. But I swore like my mom just looked at me the next couple of days like she knew that I'd snuck out of the house and she didn't say anything to me about it. But like I to this day I don't know. So mom, let me know. Yeah, let, yeah, let me know too if his uh, antics were actually noticed, but you just played it off. <laughs> um, How dumb though! It's like 20, 20 kids just walk to the ditch in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know? yeah what purpose did you actually serve? <laughs> <laughs> None. No purpose. Yeah. I just didn't want to look like a like a complete wuss by not going. Right. Yeah. Um, do you remember that the school used to call? They had that automated messaging system that would say that your child was absent from hours two four six eight <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah so i used to try and field that call and pretend that it was somebody like you calling me and so i would carry on a conversation while that automated messaging system would say that i'd missed pretty much the entire day of school and several years later i actually asked my mom about that and she's like yeah anytime that you would miss school. Uh, I knew that you had because you would literally hover around the phone like a vulture <laughs> until that call would come in. Like, I would have been the worst criminal ever. Like, I, w- I would be spotted in a second. So, but, uh, yeah. I had, I had a cover, though. You know, everyone at my house was always on the fucking phone or my dad was on eBay buying stuff all the time. So it was like, and that was back when we had dial-up. So it'd be like, right. my dad would be like, God damn it, I have an auction going. Turn it off. <laughs> Get off the phone. So it was either that or like Caleb had this thing when he was younger. He would get home and he'd rush to the phone. I don't know what the hell he would talk about with his friends. They were like second or third graders. He'd be, hey, hey, got some cookies or whatever the heck they were talking about after school. But I never really had to worry about the call. <laughs> it came in probably whenever it came in, and no one cared because it was like, who cares? Yeah. I just want to get to the next phone call. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah school was rough, man. It, was, it didn't matter if it was the first day or the last day. It was, it was a rough time, for sure. Do you ever remember, like, a specific thing you really wanted for, like, back to school? Like a, a trapper or a clothes or something. Not Jinkos, because we, we've covered that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it was like school year dependent. And whatever you had seen on the commercials during summer. And then realized that whatever was in style for you, like that's what you wanted. Like I remember back in 94 or whatever when Jurassic Park was big. And I got this Jurassic Park backpack, which was the worst backpack ever. It literally was just a zipper and a huge void. So you couldn't, like, put pencils or anything. You basically just had to pick everything up and just throw it in there and then just sift through it all whenever you got to school. But it was cool because it said Jurassic Park on it. So I think just every year got to be one of those where, oh, you have to have, you know, this trapper keeper in I know some of you listening don't even know what a trapper keeper is, but uh, back in the day, it's how we used to keep our pencils and our papers and our folders organized in one uh, one cool um, folder. What was the brand? Did Five Star make trapper keepers? I I I, I want to say yes. Remember. I'm gonna Google yeah. that shit when we get off here. 
And you guys should Google right. that shit too because you should know. Uh, you guys should know a simpler time. You know, it was a much much simpler time, and I, I don't think we like wanted all the the hoo ha everybody wants now. You know, it's like some of the stuff that kids have, like cell phones. I didn't have a cell phone until I was eighteen, and it wasn't right. even like a cell phone. I'm pretty sure it was a brick that made phone calls. <laughs> yeah. Also, Google Lisa Frank. That was Nick's favorite uh, <laughs> brand of trapper keeper. <laughs> Yes, totally. Totally my favorite. <laughs> I think the thing I wanted uh, the most was uh, I, I'd been watching Saved by the Bell a lot, and uh, Zach Morris had these Converse, like, the basketball shoes, like the ones, like, uh, a lot of the point guards would wear in the NBA with the tongues that were, like, a foot long. And I remember my dad just being like, those are the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Why would you want those? But he got them for me. And then I went to school, and then I realized I looked like an idiot when I saw myself in the mirror. <laughs> you know, like, you always, like, you have buyer's remorse as soon as you see yourself in anything. You're just like, <laughs> I just look totally stupid. Now I have to just tough out the ear with these tongues that pop out of my shoes every time I try to tie them. I remember him, you're going to wear those. You're going to wear those every day because I paid $60 for those. And All right. I literally in fourth grade wore blue suede Nike shoes. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it was pretty pathetic. No wonder I didn't have friends in fourth grade. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's crazy the things that we think are so cool. And then we get to school and realize very quickly how not cool they are. And Luckily, kids are so uh, honest that they'll let you know how uncool those those the items that you once thought were cool definitely are. So thanks for all that honesty, guys. Exactly. You know, I think there was like this one thought I had one time. It was like, if I wear a jersey to school every day, they're going to think I'm athletic. And then I'll uh, fall in with the athletes when I could have just like played sports and, you know, <laughs> done it the right way. It's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'll wear someone else's jersey. But I think I did that. I did that all the way through high school, like the first year of high school. Man, I would have loved to play sports, but I could not keep my grades up to save my life. You would think it was—it was the hardest task in the world to just get a decent grade. They didn't even expect you to have A's, but just literally, I just asked you to try, and you could have played on a team. We we couldn't hold a but, D minus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is an opportune time to bring up your one big football play that your mom didn't even see. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do my Uncle Rico story. Um, so, let's see, seventh grade uh, football, I think I was B team. So, obviously, A team's the, the top tier players, the guys that are legitimate football players or at least better than everybody else and then there's B team which is where I was sitting so I had been tasked to be a tackle a defensive tackle so um, but I had also had interest in punting um, two different sides of the spectrum but we were just kind of trying things out in this scrimmage so I had the opportunity to actually punt in a game and my mom was in attendance um and uh, so I got the snap, and so Western Kansas, for those that aren't familiar, is very, very flat and open, so the wind is very, very strong. 
So you're looking at uh, decent winds of like 20 to 30 miles per hour at any given day. So, um, so I get the snap, perfect snap right into my hands. I kick the ball. I think I netted maybe seven or eight yards. Um, and then the ball started uh, flying backwards. <laughs> so I ended up with, with maybe like a minus five-yard punt. And that was the last time I ever touched the ball in football. And my mom missed that whole moment. So that was that was it. I mean, that was my big um, ticket item, and she completely missed it. <laughs> you were no Chalky Studebaker. No, no, but I couldn't throw a pass or kick a pass. Kick a ball. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. School, man. Uh, it was a much simpler time. Uh, you know, I, I just missed the days of uh, waiting for 11 o'clock or 11.06 to get out so I could go eat a bunch of fucking grease at Long John Silver's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you just looked forward to that that extended lunch break because we got like an hour lunch, I think, in high school. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Did you know, like, a, a lot of people didn't get an open lunch? Like, I, I bring that up and it's like, yeah, just like a Southwest Kansas thing, I think. Like, a lot of people are like, you guys had open lunch? Oh, really? Yeah. I, it's um, just weird to me. Like, I don't know how uh, we would have done lunch if it wasn't open. Like, that lunchroom, like, it, there's no way everyone could have got through there in an hour. I got lunch detention once. Okay, so um, I got in trouble for something I don't remember. And so part of the punishment system at, at our high school that we went to is you would get – lunch detention or you could get in school suspension or you could get out of school suspension so i got lunch detention for something so i'd never had lunch detention before and so i thought that you got your lunch and then you went and sat in the classroom to uh, do your lunch detention so apparently that wasn't the case Uh, apparently you were supposed to go to the classroom and wait for everybody else to get their lunch, and then you, the miscreants of the high school, get out and get the last bit of lunch that they scraped from the bottom of the trays. <laughs> so, so I I go be bopping in with my full lunch tray full of food into this this classroom full of uh, thugs and just really terrible kids in our school, and so I have to sit there and eat my lunch. Uh, while they're just sitting there waiting to get theirs. So I'm eating, like, bread and, and crackers and all this stuff that's making a whole bunch of noise, and it's just dead quiet in there, and it was the most awkward 50 minutes of my life. So um, big ups to lunch detention. You know what? I think I remember that. I think I was in there that day. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> I think that's as good a way as any to wrap up the this this segment of the show. Uh, I had a great time, man, reflecting on this. It's always good to like go back in time, and uh, everyone seems to be digging uh, the episodes. I I want to give a shout while Addison's on the phone, so he can let you know uh, he's appreciative also. But uh, the numbers of the show are going up. A lot of people are checking it out, and uh, we're really starting to get a lot of uh, people chiming in and uh, telling me it's funny. They're really enjoying the content, and uh, they're getting a lot out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Um, on top of my Instagram, Addison Away, A D D I S O N A W E I G H. I'm back on that Facebook business, so you can look me up, Addison Morgan, A D D I S O N M O R G A N. 
and I'll gladly add you up. Yeah, add him up. Uh, Addison being on Facebook means I don't have to be on Facebook. But if you want to check out uh, the show or chime in or do anything with us, uh, shoot us an email at talldarkandrandompodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, as usual, I'm on Twitter at Nicholas Grooms or on Instagram at official Nicholas Grooms. And for everyone out there who's been uh, rating us five stars, I do appreciate it. I got uh, quite a few magnets to send out this week. So if you're one of the people who got one of the last few magnets I have, they're uh, going out tomorrow morning. So you should have them by the end of the week or early next week. And uh, Addison, we're going to be back here next week. I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about, but uh, uh, hopefully it's this much fun. It should be good. Good time. Thanks, guys, so much for listening. My mother was an airman. My friend was a Marine. My son was a soldier. He died by suicide on March 21st, on April 25th, August 7th, 2004. She didn't think there was hope. He didn't think there was help. He didn't think he could be healed. There is hope for your son. For your friend. For your husband. Treatment Treatment can can work. There is hope. There is help. You can heal. Welcome back to the program. I am so happy to be joined by my friend Misha Hernandez, who is here to talk with us today about anxiety and depression, and uh, I'm so glad to not be the only one on the show talking about it. And I also have to mention at this time, this is the second take we've done of this, Misha. Well, welcome to <laughs> welcome to the show and uh, our properly working equipment now. Yay, it's actually working this time. We were having a great conversation for about 15 minutes, and then I realized I didn't turn the recorder on. So uh, my my bad on that one. But we're 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 all warmed up now. So we're good. What's the word? We're good. We're good. All right. <laughs> Uh, Misha, you are doing a lot of things online, and you're raising awareness for depression, anxiety, and uh, I, I would just like to know where like that came from. What made you want to get out there and tell your story? Because there's been such a stigmatism, or a stigma. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Sorry, I was reading something else. <laughs> Oh, Nick, we talked about this word too. Jesus. We did. We we actually it, in the it, we were doing this before. And she stopped when she was going to say stigma, so I said stigma. <laughs> and then she was like, well, even though you didn't record, at least I got the word stigma down. And then you said a stigmatism. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's been a day, dude. It's been a freaking day. It anyway. Has. It has. <laughs> <laughs> what got me to start talking about it is the stigma around it. It's like, everyone's like, oh, you're just doing it for attention. You want people to feel sorry for you. No, it's because I've had friends deal with depression, anxiety, and some that have committed suicide. Um, could you, like, uh, explain? Like, I, I know everyone's anxiety is different. Like, what is it when you're anxious? Like, for me, it is like a, like a ball, just this lead ball in my stomach where it feels like it's overtaking everything on my insides. And it's every, it takes me everything I have within me to not, like, break down and have a panic attack. What is, like, a typical, like anxious moment for you like when I get overwhelmed with like a simple task I'm like okay and like I'm trying to explain something to someone but I can't get the words out and they're like you need to snap out of it I'm like I am trying everything in me to tell you how I'm feeling but you're not understanding like what it's like like I'm trying to breathe while I'm trying to talk to you I'm trying to say the right words to you then I get sweaty and my heart starts beating so fast I, like, have the stakes. 
when people tell me to calm down is what I think bothers me more than anything with the anxiety. Uh, it's, it's almost like it pisses me off because it's like if I could calm down, I would. You know, I would have found a way already to, to calm down. And, and now I'm, I'm doing this thing. I don't know if you do this, but I have this thing I found online where people were like, uh, do, do the halt method. Are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And that's the first way you kind of get your mind off it. You start thinking, you know, am I hungry? No, I'm not hungry. I ate a little bit ago. And then you start getting your mind on this track of finding out if you're one of these four things. And if you are, you can kind of like remedy it from there. But a lot of times my anxiety will stem from that. Usually to calm my anxiety down, I usually wear a hair tie around my wrist and flick it on myself. That's what I learned in therapy. It's like if you're having a really bad anxiety attack, flick it, count to three, like hold and then flick it and then count and then hold. And that helps me calm down. See, I've never heard that one. Really? Never. (laughs) Well, now you know. (laughs) I do have fidgets, though. Like, I have to be busy. Like, uh, I find that I'm much more productive when I'm anxious. Like, I start washing things and cleaning things and... You know, I try to do anything to take my mind off of the moment. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, for better or worse, I have a clean house at the end. Well, that's good. It is. Um, it's I'll... a big plus. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes I'll try to find, like, the object in a room and, like, focus on it and be like, okay, I'm going to count. Like, I do a lot of counting. That helps, too. I do things like uh, the, you know, the what the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I start thinking of actors, and I try to think of all the movies that I've ever seen them in, and like you know, John Candy, Plane Trains and Automobiles, Great Outdoors, Cool Runnings, and that helps a little bit. Yeah, but like you, I'll think of happy ex- memories. I'm like, okay, calm down, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Where did uh, when do you think your anxiety started? You know, I know mine was when I was a child. You know, I was fifth grader. I had to ride the bus with high school kids. You know, they were kind of on our cases all the time. You know, I was a bigger kid, so me a little bit more. You know, I think they thought I was an older kid even, you know, and I, I think I got a lot of a lot of shit because of that. Like, they thought I was, you know, a 7th or an 8th grade. I was a 5th grader. But uh, I think mine started there. Uh, when, when do you remember, like, feeling anxious for the very first time? I think I started feeling anxious when I was in 8th grade because I always dressed differently. And I knew I was weird, like, even back then. And I embraced being weird. But back then, I was like, why do they all stare at me so odd? <laughs> like, I'm just a human being. <laughs> what, what, uh, describe weird. Like, I would be the art, artsy type. I would wear, like, clothes that most people wouldn't wear. Like, black everything black and like some pops of colors and they'd be like why are you wearing that i'm like because i want to have fun with my clothing <laughs> <laughs> like i don't want to be like everyone else right. and, like i knew that were like you, i didn't want to fall you, into the click were, were, or you, anything. were you a goth misha i sure was <laughs> <laughs> that's what and i was I getting at i was like say the word goth say the word goth <laughs> yes i was goth <laughs> and like everyone was scared of you for some reason but i'm like nick you know me i'm like such a sweetheart and i laugh at everything but like people would say bad things about me i'm like i'm not even doing anything to you i'm just sitting here what was the the thing that really like pushed your button that got you every time someone said it because i you know i know for me like 
I, I, I can say, like, I, I learned to play it off eventually, but always the weight thing. When people would get on me about being big, I would always clam up because I didn't, you know, didn't know how to handle it at the time. Now I don't care, you know, I can say whatever they want about me, but, you know, what, what was the thing that always got you? When they would, <clears throat> sorry, when they would call me ugly, I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, constantly every day, like, they would say, you're ugly, you're odd. I'm like, okay. I'm like, how am I ugly? I'm like, when I would think of it, those people have ugly hearts. Exactly. And I think, uh, you know, we, I think you grow up a little bit and you find out those people kind of grow out of doing that. It's kind of just more of a thing where, you know, I, I think they did it to try to be accepted by everyone else at the time. They thought, oh, this is what everyone would do. Like, I remember I had a friend. And I, I'll never forget it, because I used to razz a, l a little bit, and, you know, like, even my friends that I'm friends with now, like, I, I know Hector, I used to call Hector Alex, because he looked like my friend Alex, or, you know, just little things like that, and I would razz people, but I remember one day, like, I was a freshman in high school, and there was a kid who would always sit by the pop machines every single day, and he was just super quiet, and he'd just look off into space, and one day I just saw some kids like putting fries in it in like their cheese and then putting them in his hair and he would just knock them out and not say anything. And it, it was the worst I've ever felt for a human being in my life, I think to this day. And uh, that really like made me be like, wow, you know, even just little jokes with people, maybe they're not taking that as a little joke. That's so sad. It was, it was very sad. And it was just like, uh, you know, it was one of my friends who was doing it, too, and, and I was just like, I'm out of it from this point, and, you know, that friend and I, like, really didn't hang out a lot after that, and it's just one of those things, I think about that sometimes and think, man, that could have very easily been me. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't put, like, themselves in other people's shoes. Like, that's how I look at the world now. Like, back then I didn't, but I'm like, you never know what someone's going through, what demons they're fighting. Exactly. I mean... God, I, you know, just thinking about that now makes me emotional, you know. I, I just grabbed something from back in 2003, and it's got me a little anxious sitting here. But, uh, you know, we grew up in, I mean, both of us have lost friends to suicide. And uh, it, it's a serious thing, and it's something that I want to deal with on this show, you know, and talk about and be open about. Because I think the stigma behind it is you know people thinking they can't talk about this kind of stuff but i mean they can look at us and say you know there's two people here who you know really came out of their shell it took a lot for me to be able to come out i'm only you know able to do this in the last like three or four years yeah i barely started telling people about my stuff like two years ago what's the what what, what is the stuff what, what are you doing like with the like locally i know uh, i shared a video that you put online one time where you were like reading something like what what was that all about oh yeah because i wanted to raise awareness about how it's okay to open up and talk about your depression anxiety what you're struggling with it's like we're here to support you we're not going to put you down like i want to change that have you ever had like have you ever contemplated suicide i'll just ask straight out Yes, you I have. have. And it was when I was 13, and my sister actually saw my wrist all cut. Ooh, wow. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm, learning, I'm learning things about you right now. Like, I, honestly, you ex exactly what you said at the beginning of the program, like here, as, as a, I've always thought you were just very happy-go-lucky. 
This got serious in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> sure did. God. Yeah, I was 13, and I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. Why should I be here? And it's are you... like stuff like bothered me. If that was like when I was in eighth grade, I was like, people are calling me this and that. Like maybe I should just be gone. Man, and like that's just because people was it just because people were calling you odd and weird and ugly? Yeah, it's like the emotional scar that left when I was thirteen, I'm like it's not like anyone would miss me. But now I look back, I'm like, they would have missed me. Like my family members and close friends. You know, I, I don't think I've ever, like, actually contemplated suicide, but I, I've always, like, had, I've had days where I'm like, I could die today and it wouldn't matter, you know, I don't care. I definitely have those days, and I still have those days every so often, but, uh, you know, man, that breaks my heart to know, you know, such a good friend of mine, you know, feels this way, or has felt this way. Uh, what yeah. What is the thing, like, that makes you glad that you didn't do it the most? That I'm still here and that I can bring awareness to everyone that's struggling. Because I've had one of my very close guy friends tell me that he didn't want to live and I stayed on the phone with him for three hours. He's like, I'm in front of train tracks right now. I was like, whatever you do, step away. I said, don't step in front of the train. I said, you're loved. You're enough. I said, we need you here. I need you here. I said, I don't want to look at a picture of you and, like, just break down and cry knowing that I could have prevented that. That's true. It, it just hurts so many other people. And I think, you know, I would just feel so guilty, you know. If, like, I could be back here and come back here and see my dead self, like, and everyone having to deal with me and, like, having to deal with what I left behind, I don't think I, you know, it, I think that's worse than how I would feel, you know, what made me want to die in the first place. And that's what I try to remember. And, you know, I'm glad I'm here. I've done a lot of really cool things and accomplished a lot of things that I've always wanted to. And, you know, had I ever been suicidal, like, I, I just don't, I, I don't understand how people get to that point, you know? It's hard for me to understand it other than, like, I feel, you know, the weight of that on myself, but it never get to the, you know, I never get pushed to the line. And, and I don't know where that line is for a lot of people. It's got to be different because, you know, I I feel like maybe I can take a lot more in some cases. But, uh, you know, there, I just hear people like, I mean, like I'm hearing like 11-year-olds killing themselves now. And, and it's just like 11-year-old kids, man, you know. I don't know. It's like you haven't even experienced life yet. What would you, what advice would you give to parents? I mean, I, we, we did the whole back-to-school theme today. But, you know, back-to-school for me always reminds me of the very first panic attack I ever had. And I remember when I just broke down. My dad thought I was trying to get out of going to school because I was starting at Abe Hubert, and we had just moved from Illinois. And I had my very first panic attack in the bathroom of my grandma's house. And then I had my second one in Mr. Hutton's office at Abe Hubert. And uh, luckily for me, Mike Garcia, rest in peace, who passed away last year, uh, sat down with me in the uh, cafeteria that day and just talked to me a little bit and we talked about football and you know he got my mind off of it and got me got me straight before he took me to class and uh i'll always remember that and i just wanted to tell that mike story real quick uh while we're while we're doing this yeah mike, mike was a great guy mike we lost mike last year and uh man i'll never forget that like little things like that stick with people and you know don't be the kid putting the fry in someone's hair be mike garcia every single day of your life 
But anyway, what? Just a good what, human being. He he was man. He was a great human being, and I you know I know it too because the day he passed away, I talked to so many people I hadn't talked to in a long time, just because they remembered Mike and I were close, and that I remembered they were close to Mike. So we were all reaching out to each other, you know, different states, different cities, you know, just to talk about like, hey, are you okay today? But like, man, just a lot of little just, things. Just reaching out is what people need. I think more in this world. Like, if you see someone struggling, be like, are you okay? Just ask that simple question. And if they tell you, no, I'm not okay, that's when you'd be like, well, do you want to talk about it, or what can I do for you, you know? Exactly, exactly. Well, that's Mitchell, what I do. <clears throat> I have really, really enjoyed having you on the show, and uh, it's been really eye-opening. Because, man, like, I, I think we're going to talk about this when we get off here, too, because, uh, uh, you know, that's insane. I didn't even know any of that stuff about you. And for you to be that much of an open book, like, for an audience, like, you were deeply appreciated. And thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome, dude. Do you have anything you want to add? Like, uh, what, what can anywhere, where can people, like, uh, reach out and get, get with you if they want to, like, talk with you about this stuff? Um, they can hit me up on Facebook. That's all I have. That's all. No, no link. <laughs> no, I don't have a link, Nick. <laughs> that's that's Misha me. Hernandez on Facebook, <laughs> the one who says astigmatism. <laughs> I know. I'm doing so good. Here, here, here's what I'll do for you right now. If you guys want to reach out to Misha and you want to talk to Misha about this stuff and like uh, get with someone who's dealt with this. Throw us an email at tall, dark, and random podcast. That's tall, dark, and random podcast at gmail.com. Uh, throw me an email. I'll get you hooked up with Misha, and uh, we'll make good things happen. You know, we just want to do good things with the show. And uh, while we're making you laugh, we want to give you guys some heart and give you guys a lot of realness and a lot of things to consider when you, uh, when, when you shut the program off. And Misha, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. In a little bit, I hope it's in jest yeah. But every single second gets me closer to death I'm trying to relax, I'm trying to focus my breath I hope the doc doesn't up my dosage I'm just kind of in a little bit, I hope you it's in jest well, But every single second gets me closer to death me too. I'm trying to relax, I'm trying to focus my breath I hope the doc doesn't up my dosage Today I got so fucking angry at this stupid life My three-year-old son asked me what school was like At first I didn't think much of it Till I started to explain it, conversation turns so rugged I was like it's lots of fun lots of teachers lots of books lots of playgrounds you can run you can paint color read learn recess in the sun and by the way one day one of your classmates might stroll in with a gun shoot at you shoot at your friends and kill himself I'm not trying to be a nihilist just being real how are parents in America supposed to really feel when trying to get your kid an education just might get him killed frightened by the doom so we fly him to the moon never let him play outside we just
just hide them in their rooms like Sorry son, your daddy's just falling for the scare tactics Here's an iPad, stare at it forever I'm just trying to vent a little bit, I hope it's in jest uh, But every single second gets me closer to death I'm trying to relax, I'm trying to focus my breath I hope the doc doesn't up my dosage I'm just trying to vent a little bit, I hope it's in jest But every single second gets me closer to death I'm trying to relax, I'm trying to focus my breath I hope the doc doesn't up my dosage It's Saturday, and there's no chance I'm going out tonight What are you, crazy? I'm sitting on the couch tonight There's no way I'm gonna get in the car And go and hang around a bunch of drunk kids at a bar The last time I went, I just wasn't prepared The vibe in the air had me genuinely scared I mean, dudes are buff, dudes are mean, dudes are angry I held the door open for one, he didn't thank me He was showing off his biceps He could probably bench 285 for 8 or 9 reps Had me feeling kinda bitch made When 50 Cent first came out, he was probably in the 5th grade when he was playing truth or dare I was buying products so I wouldn't lose my hair But I did, I sure the fuck did And now I feel inadequate around a punk kid Damn I'm just trying to vent a little bit, I hope it's in jest But every single second gets me closer to death I'm trying to relax, I'm trying to focus my breath I hope the doc doesn't up my dosage I'm just trying to vent a little bit, I hope it's in jest But every single second gets me closer to death I'm trying to relax, I'm trying to focus my breath I hope the doc doesn't up my dosage So that's all life is, huh? Every six months go see a new superhero movie Work a fucking horrible job that you hate Get married to someone you're sexually attracted to Only to never have sex with them again once the kids are born Really? I'm trying to find what my purpose is for But I spent the last hour at the furniture store Trying to locate a goddamn burgundy floor Matt, that we can put where the bathroom floors at For the last six months I've had a sore back I used to feel, but inside I felt a cord snap I used to have a big red heart But now I got a big brown pile where a horse shat I used to have a nice young face But now I got a mass that always changes like I'm Rorschach I used to want a Porsche Instead I had a family, so now I'm trying Trying to locate where my Ford's at Sitting in the Home Depot parking lot Humid outside, August night, dark and hot The moon is beautiful, this evening it's rare But honestly, I don't even think that I care Fuck the moon